It's good to have Paula and Julie Knight with us this morning, all, and Julie's going to come around and bring us a special. Who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? And who told the ocean you can only come so Far. And who showed the moon where to hide till evening? Whose words alone can catch a falling star? Well, I know my Redeemer lives. I
glad your Redeemer lives? Amen. He's alive. He's on the throne, seated at the right hand of the Father. And you know, that's what it's all about. And uh, I thank the Lord for that awesome special, Julie sharing that with us. Go ahead and head to Revelation chapter 3. <clears throat> the, uh, that, that's just, uh, uh, that's what it's all about. Jesus lives, and uh, just looking at this, thinking about Christmas being rewrapped, uh, Brother Trey uh, will be filling in for me next Sunday. I'll be receiving a, uh, a Christmas gift next Sunday, and uh, uh, getting to go to a Dallas Cowboy game, and uh, compliments of my wife. So I'm thankful for that, and uh, with uh, one of the last dates with my daughter, Taylor Ann and I, and uh, she doesn't like for that, but she's uh, going to be Taylor Ann to me for the rest of her life, and uh, I thank the Lord for that opportunity uh, with her, and you know, it's a, uh, uh, I thank the Lord also for Brother Trey, uh, 2011, going to be life-changing for him especially on the next to the last day of 2011. And uh, we've, I was sharing in the men's meeting uh, how thankful and proud in a godly sense that promised land needs to be. Uh, 2011, we've accomplished a lot. You know, uh, Brother Glenn made our men's meeting. He came by and drank some coffee and some, uh, had a sausage and a biscuit before he uh, left out to head on over to Calvary. Uh, we, he is, uh, besides our own missionary, uh, the missionary that uh, we support the most. And he does a tremendous work. I'm thankful that Promised Land has such a strong involvement with REM, Remote Island Ministries. He'll be back tonight, which he was scheduled for. He said, Man, I thought I was going to have the morning off. And uh, so, but he volunteered, he heard the need, and he spoke up like any true man of God and said, I'll be glad to go and help him out. And so, but our involvement in REM, folks, the advancement of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have been able to help more missionaries than ever before. We have spent more money, if you will, uh, spending, giving, ever how you want to say it, in the spread of the gospel. Uh, that last year, 2011, was our first year for upward uh, ministry. It is a ministry uh, that we use to spread the gospel. Our church was the talk of the county. And folks, every Saturday for the first eight Saturdays in 2011, uh, we had an average of 500 people come through our Family Life Center, every one of them hearing the gospel and the plan of salvation uh, through grateful volunteers. And folks, that's what it's all about. And now guess what? This year we had even more young people sign up than we did last year. And through many of you giving of your time, giving of your ability, there will be even more every weekend beginning the very first weekend in January. Uh, and folks, it's all about people hearing the gospel. Many 
uh, just bragged and bragged on our church reaching out with just a basic program, if you will, and ministry and people getting to hear the gospel. Amazing. People, I guarantee you, that normally would never come to promised land, they came to watch their child or their grandchild uh, play a simple game of basketball or cheer. And uh, it was great. Even Evan was the cheerleader last year. And uh, just it was really cool to see that and just see people out in front of uh, young people out in front of adults uh, uh, just giving, enjoying themselves and hearing the gospel. Now the kids, young people hear it twice a, uh, a week because at the, every practice they have a devotion at every one of their practices and also memorize scripture at every one of their practices and so the gospel is being put inside their hearts to be used later by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's what takes that scripture and works with it. And then speaking of scripture, let's read Revelation chapter 3, Christmas rewrapped. Let's begin reading in Revelation 3:14. Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things saith the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word this morning. Father, may your Holy Spirit be in charge and may we know that you, our Redeemer, lives today in heaven on the throne, securing our salvation, not through our works, but, dear Lord, through your finished work on Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen. The distractions of Christmas in this short series, just uh, Trey and I have already talked about next Sunday. He's going to continue the series Christmas Rewrapped. And looking at this, this year, there are a lot of distractions. Folks, there's distractions for every Christmas. You know, we have uh, right after Thanksgiving. Well, this year, it started on Thanksgiving. It's called Black Friday and Brown Thursday or ever what. And the reason they call it that is the businesses go from in the red to in the black. I understand that. And I understand that people buy a lot of stuff to give away this time of the year. But a lot of times, because of all the hustle and bustle, matter of fact, I had 
some of the men uh, uh, getting on to me this morning. They said, Brother Michael, uh, you and Miss Karen do all this? We cook breakfast for the men. And yeah, you should have hollered. Well, you, you get busy and you forgot. And, uh, and I did. And I was going to call some of the men for the men's prayer breakfast and always delegate that out. And, and I did. And just simple fact that we get busy and we forget something. And that's the way it is at Christmas time. We get busy. Stuff's going on. We're going to the store. You're trying to please all your relatives by showing up at their house. And then you've got work Christmas parties and this is going on and that's going on and all these things happening. And it's easy to be distracted about the true meaning of Christmas. And, 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 and there's nothing wrong. We've got uh, the lights on over at the parsonage. We've got the, the white cross out in the yard. The bushes are decorated uh, thanks to the persistence of my kids. My kids love to decorate. Now, I turn around. They're big enough now. we got the new attic door. The, use, the old attic door we had before the remodel, it took faith to go up in the attic, okay? And Because uh, that rickety old ladder and faith to bring the boxes back down. And uh, But now the kids, they run up the ladder and they get the decorations and they come out. And they're all, I mean, Friday after Thanksgiving, we had that house decorated. At least they did. And all Dad did. I, I'm the tallest one, so I do the lights, okay? And uh, do all that. But folks, Christmas is, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with lights. Great decorations. Thank you. It's the time of the year. But it's easy to be distracted. From the real meaning of Christmas. And that's what I, I don't want us to get away from. I don't want us to lose focus. You know, my job, I think, as a pastor, is I'm, I'm to lead. The Bible says, taking the oversight thereof. Not by a chokehold, it says in the King James, a constraint. But it says by leading. So I'm to lead the church to what? To keep our eyes on Jesus. He is the chief shepherd. I'm just the under-shepherd. And so in looking at this this morning, Jesus is trying to get our attention in verse 14. He says, listen, who's writing this letter to the church at Laodicea? The amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Folks, He is the reason for the season. He came as a little baby. Don't forget Jesus. You know, Mary and Joseph. When Jesus was 12, they got so busy. It's the only story we have of Jesus before his ministry. Besides his birth, the only in-between story, the time that he's born to the time he begins his ministry at 30 years old is the story of him going to Jerusalem and they did the Passover and and they, well, and then they all loaded back up and the Bible says they thought he was with the kinfolks. We did that one time. Uh, we had a kind of a tradition, if you will. All the people at our last church, we would load up and we went to uh, <clears throat> a Mexican restaurant. I won't tell you what we called the restaurant. but uh, And then we had Wendy's and something else that we always went to after church. And our kids, all three of them, they had run over here and go with the Smiths. And they had run over here and they would go with somebody else. And, and we'd all go... And we said, okay, now, Allie Joe went with so-and-so, and Taylor went with so-and-so, and Caleb, who did he get in the car with? And uh, we said, where's Caleb? 
We all almost got to the restaurant, which is like five miles away, or like driving to Hamburg. And we said, Caleb, he's, they had locked the doors, turned out the lights, and Caleb's asleep on the pew. <laughs> Left him at church. He's at church asleep. I'm, just imagine if that fellow had woke up. He didn't wake up, thank the Lord, but I said at least for scriptural, even Jesus' parents has left him at church, so to speak. So at least we did it scripturally, but folks, we get distracted, we get in a rush. It's all about Jesus, though. It's all about him. I'm just so, so thankful that Caleb never woke up that day. Verse 15 and 16, what I call the distraction of just going through the motions now, notice this. Now, this is tough, and if this flies in your face, you'll just have to take it up with the Lord. It's His Word. But it says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Which means regurgitate or throw up. You say, oh, don't be talking about that. Well, folks, I'm just telling you. What the original meaning means. Spew. It does mean to vomit. To throw up. It makes God sick. Now what is basically lukewarm? Lukewarm means this. It means that I'm not cold. I'm not hot. Which means I'm I'm not against the Lord. But I'm not really on fire for the Lord either. Basically, I just come to church. I'm just here on Sunday morning. I don't... Bring my kids any other time. I'm just going through the motions. And our kids look at our lives and they see, well, that's the way a Christian should behave. Just go to church. Show up. Make an appearance. It's just, uh, it's just something you do. It's what I was raised. It's the, uh, 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 Southern God. It's the God of the weekend. It's the God of Sunday. Nope. God is the God of every day. He's your Savior every day, not just on Sunday. But that's the distraction of just going through the motions. It says it makes God sick. Now, why? Now, listen to his words. He says, he says, I would rather you be cold or hot. And if we take that analogy and say hot is on fire for the Lord, then cold is just apathy. But that makes sense. Because what does the world say? Well, just look at them. I know what kind of language they use outside of church. I know how they behave outside of church. And they're one of your church members. Being lukewarm does more harm than just never, ever coming at all. And you say, well, in that case, I just won't ever come. And then, so, then God's ultimate desire would be what? For you to live for Him every day. That's His ultimate desire. That's what we should desire, to be on fire for Him. Many fighting this drainage, and I apologize for it. But our motivation is missing. Our actions carry no meaning. You know, and uh, I put on there on the C part in your outline. Just want to make a note of this. 
just going through the motions and we don't care about serving the Lord. In other words, our kids, even our kids and grandkids pick up on this, folks, that your actions always speak louder than your words. It says, because we come to a point that we just don't care about pleasing God. But when I think about this time of the year, I've seen this time and time again. I say, you know what? Oh, look at this. Oh, look, I need to buy this for my kids. It would make them so happy. Or I need to buy this for my wife. Man, it would just make her overjoyed. This is awesome. I've got this will really make my family happy if I buy this. Now think about what you're saying. We'll sacrifice monetarily, money-wise, to make somebody happy on Christmas. Will we sacrifice to please God? Will we go beyond just just to give a little extra? And I'm not just talking about finances or money and all of this. But a lot of times we will finance happiness, that sacrifice, or we won't do that for the Lord. We, we won't. And I've got to have this. It'll just 12 easy, no interest payments. No interest. Boy, isn't that a, a hook? Uh-huh. Love, no, and, and I've taken advantage of it for. That refrigerator over there in the parsonage, first refrigerator we've ever owned, bought it to move into this parsonage. Lowe's, no interest. We didn't have ever six, seven hundred dollars at whatever it cost. I don't remember. Sacrifice for a refrigerator. Will we sacrifice for the Lord? Well, refrigerator is more important than the Lord. No. That's the way we act. That's the way we act. Well, the next point. The distraction of having too much. Many, many of us, verse 17 applies to in here. You know, and unless I'm fooled and, and uh, you know, we don't, we don't have any super, super rich people, you know, here. But you know what? We have a lot of folks in our church this morning that are comfortable. We're, we're comfortable. We have more. Really, all of us in here probably have more than we need. More than we need. And that's what he's saying here. Because these church members are saying, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So our condition fools us. And that, he's talking spiritually. Most of us, thing is, when you're comfortable, we don't need the Lord. All of my bills are paid, praise the Lord, and I give God credit. But a lot of times, none of us hit our knees in desperation until we have a need. Many of us hit our knees in desperation when... When life is snatched out of your hands. I can't control who gets cancer. I can't control this happening, that happening, this happening. Folks, and and then whenever we reach a point in life where we're no longer in control and we can't buy our way out of it and we can't buy an answer and we can't find an answer, 
well, I guess I need to pray about it. Prayer should not be the last option, but the first priority. First priority. We don't even realize that we are spiritually wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And then, so that is the distraction of having too much. I won't turn over there and read the story of the farmer, and many of you know it, who said, well, man, my, my crops are coming in. I don't have enough room to put it all up, so I'll build more barns so that I can hold all this stuff that I have. And the Lord said, you don't realize tonight your soul is going to be required of thee. Which means this. What shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? Nothing is more valuable than your spiritual relationship with the Lord. Well, moving on to the last point. Desire instead of distraction. Verse 18, let's finish reading up. I counsel thee to buy of me gold. Here's, this is what we should desire. Buy of gold, tried in the fire that thou mayest be. What, what gold is he talking about? Yeah, I'd love to have some gold. He's not talking about physical gold. That thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. If you feel like God's getting on to you, say, Brother Michael, why are you preaching to me? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. And He says, I chasten those whom I love, which tells me that if you feel bad for not living for God, you need to praise Jesus. Say, at least He loves me enough to get on to me. He loves me enough to tell Brother Michael to preach this kind of message. He loves me enough that I feel horrible if I don't do what I should do. And if you feel horrible when you don't do what you should do, it's probably because you're saved. And so praise the Lord if you feel conviction. Because that means the Holy Spirit is doing His job. And so when I feel bad, I know that God's working in my life. And I need... To live for Him. The shame of thy nakedness. There is a, in history books, there's a legend that when the priest fell asleep on the job, there was a mini, uh, Alfred Edersheim, a historian that passed away in 1899, wrote about that they would set their garments on fire. They, many of their duties were to keep the fire of the brazen altar lit. They were to, uh, many duties that required round-the-clock round service. That they would light their uh, clothing on fire. If that's true, according to history, it's not in the Scripture, that uh, they would shuck their clothes. Whoa, whoa! I'd imagine somebody set my clothes on fire, I'd shuck them also. And they would be ashamed because they had been unfaithful to their duties in the temple of God. Or even in the old days when Moses was around the tabernacle. But folks, listen to me very closely. If you're ashamed, 
sometimes of getting distracted. I don't pray like I, I, Brother Michael, I've gone all week. I haven't prayed and I haven't read my Bible like I should. I was visiting one of my deacons earlier this week. And uh, he was telling me, he said, God's been convicting me, Brother Michael. My Bible reading isn't what it should be. Now that's what I like to hear from my deacons. Say that my deacon's not reading his Bible like he should. No, that the thought even crossed his mind. Conviction. Because I haven't been reading my Bible like I ought to. I want all of our church members to have that conviction. Is my heart right with you, Lord? Am I distracted? Folks, I can get distracted by a car breaking down. I can get distracted by not being able to pay my bills. I can get distracted by sickness. I can get distracted by family members. All of us have family members. And uh, something happens and, oh, this is going on, that's going on. Let us not. If you get caught up in everything that's trivial, if you get caught up in things that don't amount to a hill of beans, and y'all know exactly what I mean when I say that. If y'all get distracted and I get distracted, I think, Lord, help me every day not to lose focus on you. Help me every day because it's easy for whatever, whatever. In our church, I praise Jesus for what our church has been allowed to do and is doing and will do in 2012. Because it's not about distractions, but about a Savior and about a gospel. And folks, my eyes are easily distracted. Physical things. Every time we get an opportunity, to him, well, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear in my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. This is talking about fellowship. It's bad when Jesus is saying, would you let me back in? It's bad when Jesus is saying, uh, I'm out here. Would you let me in? I heard this long time ago. Long time ago. Did you know the devil cannot get in any church unless somebody brings them in? And that's true. No way. He, 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 the devil has no lips by which to speak in this world unless God were to allow him to have a fleshly body in this room. The devil has no feet to walk in here. The devil has no arms or hands to do anything unless he uses one of us. But did you know 
But the opposite is also true. And Jesus is saying, I behold, and it was all a, a, a metaphor, if you will, to show. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will let me in, I will come in and sup with him, have fellowship with him. Did you know Jesus cannot come into this place? You say his presence is here only if we let him in, invite him in. Did, did he, whenever he was working on you, it's an invitation. Whosoever will. Matter of fact, he said, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. Another invitation. I love this invitation here. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, so he's not forcing his fellowship on you, is he? Not according to that verse. It's up to you as we prepare for him invitation. It's up to you. The reward there is mentioned in verse 21. To him will I grant to sit with me. Did you know it's going to be a privilege? You're going to give, a, the Bible mentions a privileged position. What kind of person? The person who says, I want your fellowship. I want to live for you. Would you thank you for loving me? And so what an awesome reward is seen in verse 21. I believe in the new heavens and the new earth. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be awesome. Would you tell the Lord this morning, whether you come to the altar or whether you sit in the pew or stand up here in a second, the choice is going to be yours. You can sit there like a frog on a log and say, Glory, hallelujah, I shall not be moved. And, or we can say, you know what? I have been distracted. I've been distracted, yeah. I haven't been praying like I should, reading like I should. And I've been talking to everybody about everything but Jesus. All of us do a lot of talking throughout the week. But do we lift up Jesus whenever we talk to people, whenever we discuss? Because He is the reason for the season. 